So I guess since you just hit the you just hit the record button there. Yeah. This will be the first time Ryan gets to hear the new podcast intro, so he doesn't have to introduce us anymore. <laughs> It'll be the first time. I'm so there's going to be maybe some excessive laughing when he pushes this button, but... I'm a little fucking nervous. Let's fucking get after it, dude. Push it first time. Which button? Bottom right says intro. All right. Here we go. Welcome to the Shoot to Hunt podcast with your host, Ryan Avery, a registered what? Democrat who loves the 6'5 Creedmoor, <laughs> and the Jacob O'Shaney, his beard is made of the gypsy pubes. <laughs> but together, they make the number four podcast in all of the US and they a great success. It is a nice... That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> And then it's fading out right here. We're supposed to jump in and start the podcast, and then he doesn't have to do like the extra work there. I lost a laugh. He said, "Number what podcast? Uh, number four podcasts in all of the USA." Because he <laughs> says he says that his sister's the number four whore in Kazakhstan or whatever. Got it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I think- a registered Democrat that loves six five Creedmoor. <laughs> Luke, I owe you one. <laughs> I owe you one. That's perfect. They just push the button and we get into it. It's way simpler. It is. And then there's no editing like at the beginning, right? It just has like a start point. No, and we, we, <clears throat> we're we going to talk about uh, the rifles today, but Jess, we tried to get Jess on, the person that actually loads the ammo, and she ran out. She promised to to do So this was the, we did the first, if you haven't heard the first Night Force ELR podcast go listen to that that was basically before we built the rifles before we shot them we had an idea of the way things would go and it didn't go that way and now rifles are done load development's done and we're leaving tomorrow morning for the shoot and we said we'd do one right before the shoot and right after it kind of give all the things that didn't work the things that did thought process and and all that good shit well, one thing we kind of debunked, and i don't know where what the process is you want to get into it is you said i know a couple guys that make two or three barrels at the same time Mm -hmm. because they want to do the same loads Mm -hmm. and maybe they'll get a one-off that wins but these two rifles from the same stick Mm -hmm. of steel chambered basically the same day by the same person same exact headspace measurement same everything are totally opposite of each other well i think they so both of the velocity the barrel velocity nodes are r3020 and just I think one one prefers 565, one prefers H1000. The loads are very similar. So 68 H1000 for Ryan, 67 and a half, 565 for me. But that 3020 mark, they both shoot fantastic. But the crazy part was is yours didn't just dislike H1000. There was no seating depth from five to 120 thousandths that it liked. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is Nick, the reloading guy, he kind of nailed it. He's like, when I brought it there, he's like, one, one's just not going to like it. And I was like, eh, we'll hit a seating depth. Well, we've already had, we had some good data on that situation before. We built six 300 PRCs in a row. Mm-hmm. And it was 80 and a half H1000 or 83 N570, I think, were the two loads. Could have been 81. But basically, out of those six rifles that, again, were all identical, everything was ordered at the exact same time, built at the same time, it either liked the N570 load or it liked the H1000 and never liked both. And what was funny about yours is that we could, me and Nick could get it to shoot a three-shot group at a half inch at 100, but it was like eight, nine inches at 650. Hmm. 
So it's that's why you've got to go if you're going to shoot that far at an animal target, whatever. You've got to validate that stuff because mm-hmm. people, you know, always poo-poo that. And I mean, the, you can also shoot more bullets at a hundred yards to see that cone of dispersion that your barrel shoots to. Mm-hmm. But it's funny to me how people will shoot three-shot groups and think they're good out to six, seven, eight hundred yards at a hundred. You know, you definitely got to move past a hundred at some point in your shooting career. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see to do it again. I mean, have you done any of those before? Have you done, you said you've done PRCs, but were they made from the same stick and chambered <clears throat> relatively the same time period? Couldn't say on those. Those were all carbon six barrels. I just, we had two exact, everyone ended up on one load or the other. None of them. And I think the ratio was four, four N570 loads and two H1000 loads out of the six rifles. But we've carried those same, those same loads have been proven time and time again throughout various load developments. And, and that's what we use for production ammo and so on. But uh, yeah, it was either one or the other. Another thing that's interesting to me is they're both really accurate at the about the same velocity. Mm-hmm. And that goes back, I, there's a guy that shoots Weatherbees a lot, and he says he doesn't shoot. He shoots to a velocity, and nine times out of ten, that velocity is accurate. Mm-hmm. You know, from like, it's a 3378, and he shoots them, he wants them at like 3,000 feet per second. He says usually they're pretty accurate at that, hmm. which is also interesting to me if that's, I've never tried that, so it'd be interesting to try that just at a velocity node, not necessarily a loading, Mm -hmm. you know, node. Yeah. So they were both at 68 grains, H1000 and 565 at initial load development. And then we went and shot, we put the rifles in the sun, we put the ammo in the sun and we realized pretty quickly that the 565 was a lot faster in the heat than the H1000 was. Uh, Normally 565 is fairly temp stable. I don't know what played into that situation. And it's, it's, 30 feet per second different. So. It was. So we went, I went last night and retuned my load to match Ryan's velocity again. Uh, we ended up taking a half grain of 565 out and it's back at 3020. And it literally put five in the same hole at 100. We also fire formed. So we took 200 pieces of brass each. We fire formed all the brass before we started load dev. Uh, this is Peterson 7 PRC brass with a 198 tip. So we had planned to start with that and, and we did end up with that, which is nice. Uh, some things that didn't work out the way we thought. The main one was we wanted to shoot the Nimrod stock, the Macmillan Nimrod, mm-hmm. which looks like it can it, it could handle it. It was the barrel that messed everything up. So it's a nine-pound barrel, 30 inches hanging off the end of that action, and the fore end of the stock just couldn't take it. It just We had to take too much material away for the fat barrel, and then the weight that's leaning off the end of it, it just couldn't handle it. So we had to we had to pull an audible. And I talked with Matt Means at XLR, and they hooked us up, moved some stuff through the line. They got us the XLR NV Pro chassis with the new C6 buttstock and the whole competition package, which is the four-end weights. The I forget what they call this. They call it like a uh, like a radar mount or something, but it's basically it goes up over the front of the barrel. It's a four-end upper part of the barrel. Comes goes over the top of the barrel there, and then uh, and then it has the weights in the butt stock as well. And then we got these kind of funny looking grips on there. They kind of simulate more of a stock feel and kind of they prevent you from getting a death grip on it. Really, you can get your thumb around there, but you can't. You know, you can't really grab onto it. So different type of grip. That that uh, grip surprised me because when I first felt it, I was like, mm, I don't like it. But the more I shot it, I do like that straight vertical pistol grip, and you can't. Like I told you, I had a problem, and I've talked to Matt Means about this problem but with their smaller, you know, the, the uh, what was it, Element 4.0, mm-hmm. and that little carbon grip. 
And I think Mason has the same problem. We like death grip that thing. Mm-hmm. And it's this kind of takes that away from you because it's so f- kind of fat and it's really hard to get a hold of. So I just find myself pulling it more than grabbing it. Yeah. When I seen it, I thought of you and I thought we'd give him a try. It was actually yeah. Matt who emailed to say, hey, we got this other grip. And if you're not watching on the YouTube, it's basically has like a has a back portion of the grip that, that pulls back kind of the way your stock would. Looks pretty good, though. Um, yeah, and that C6, I've never used that before. I just used the smoke or whatever it's called, the standard. Boy, this C6 has got a ton of adjustment. Man, it, it, just, feels, it just feels natural once you get it set up for yourself. They shoot fucking nice. It's a 25-pound rifle, which is three times the weight we're used to shooting. And you can really shoot a lot of rounds and not be affected. I, I was thinking when I was shooting, this is 25-pound, 7PRC. I was like... Those fucking PRS guys shooting that six millimeter, that thing can't even, <laughs> that thing doesn't even move an inch. It's like a BB gun. Oh, it's just like shooting a, yeah, a staple gun. Because these are, I've spotted every hit, even in little funky angles, no problems. That's probably the biggest thing that surprised me is the lack. I mean, no, it's 25 pounds, but, you know, we we come from hunting weight rifles, you know, 12 pounds, usually 10 pounds and under. This is like a freaking kitten. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we can't use them to kill bears. Nope, I don't have a 16-pound limit, and these are <clears throat> way over that. But damn, they are sexy. Another thing that kind of ir- irked me is I bought an MT- MDT a lightweight double pull, and I thought it had the, uh, what do you call it, the front lockup? The, the pan lockout. Pan lockout. Yeah. And it fucking has this tensioner. It's kind of yeah. irritating. They need to describe it better. It's kind of my fault, kind of their fault. They need to describe it. It's not even close to what the standard double pull is. Yeah, you were saying that the legs are kind of up underneath it. I didn't take a good look at it right now, but basically the top piece is different between the two bipods. Of course, the legs and everything are hollowed out to give it the lightweight deal, but the actual top portion where the ARCA clamp is is different between the two. I thought, why would they make two different head pieces, you know? Nick Gardarzi was right. I shouldn't have fucked around. I should have just bought the double pull standard. Bought the the regular one. (laughs) That's kind of I don't know. It would be good using for hunting and something, especially bear. If you don't got to walk far with your rifle, you're not worried about weight. Well, the great thing about my buddy Jake is he's got a machine shop so they could pin it right there. <laughs> yeah, we drilled and pinned the pan out on his MDT double pull lightweight. So now that you've shot with an MDT compared to the other bipods you use, what do you think about the MDT? You know, I was already using Skypods, not a double pull, but I was using Skypods already during load development. I like how wide you can get those legs and pull them out. Um, you know, the, the wider you spread your triangle out, the more stable of a shooter you're going to be. And then the heavier the rifle, the more stable you're going to be. And this one is the best of everything. You can pull those double pulls all the way out. And I like to be high on the back end, so I'll put a tall bag. And when you shoot that heavy 25-pound rifle on that, and that triangle is so far spread apart, because it also has the Arca extender off the front of the chassis there, I think it can come in, I want to say it's two and a half or six inches. So you can even get further out if you wanted. Uh, we were kind of kind of already spread out pretty good, so we opted for the the shorter of the two extensions. But it's just stable as hell. It's like once you get so easy to get on target and hold the reticle steady, and then there's no recoil really. So you pull the trigger and and you can spot your impacts. And I don't know, it's very nice to shoot. Like I felt great last night looking forward to the competition because it shot so well. Hopefully, I shoot as well as the rifle does, and we might do all right. It's just easy. You said it. It's just easy to shoot. It is. It's, there's nothing that's hard. The recoil doesn't kick. You easily spot your own hits. But like on the MBT, is it's those suckers are spendy. That one's like six or seven hundred bucks. I think. Yeah, I think it's seven ninety nine, and yours is eight ninety nine. I think. If you weren't shooting a comp, would you ever use one no, of those? No, I didn't have one already. I only had those other Skypods because, I mean, Atlas. It's hard to beat an Atlas cow. 
no matter how hard you try. I know Spartan's coming out with a new one pretty quick that, that might be worth a look. Uh, but the Atlas Cal and then between that and the Spartan Javelin, when you want, want to be lightweight, you use our little universal adapter. I mean, between those two for hunting, I don't think you can go wrong. How much is the Atlas Cal? Uh, 299 and it comes with a quick detached Picatinny mount on there. And then the the Spartan is about 320 And then if you get that combo rail with the flush boss, you mm-hmm. can run either one. If I could have done one thing, first of all, I'll ask you, if you could have done one thing different with this build, what would you have done? Hmm. I would have put the laser engraving further out on the barrel so I could read it because oh, it was pretty awesome. Oh, not fucking cosmetic. <laughs> like, what would you have I did, done? I don't, I, it, like looking at them now, like looking at them and, and knowing how they shoot, I don't think it could have been done much better. Honestly. I agree. But last week, the only thing I would change going into it now Last week I shot a five to five, five to twenty five ATAC R, and I'd have got a F- ATAC R on it. Really, it's just nicer. Yeah, I'd... but we decided we went NX eights yeah. because we don't shoot competition a lot, and we wanted to be able to reuse the scope if we were going to buy one. And but you're I... not going to put a five to twenty five attacker on anything else. Yeah, I would. I'd have put it on the XC. Really? Remember I talked about that, but that there's just two things, and I, I can't. I got to put them side by side. But I had the scope on the thirty three. And that ATAC R. The ATAC R seems to do better with Mirage. And uh, the I box is definitely deeper, kinder. It yeah. just seems a little bigger. Yeah, on 32, because that's where I like to run it. At 32, you're going to get definitely, you're going to get the most Mirage at full mag. And then and then trying to get your head back and forth. Although this is, it's pretty repeatable. Coming in and out, it's not terribly difficult. Now, we haven't been, we haven't been really challenged yet as far as being on time. And then going from shot to shot or target to target across a wide area, that's really going to be the, I think it's going to take us a couple stages to get our shit dialed and get the feel down. Then once we get the feel down, I think that we're going to do all right. One big thing I've already noticed is I am not used to calling wind with that slippery of a bullet. Yeah. Isn't that so? So the 198 tip, it's half of what it's asking for. Every call we made out at Rock Lake was when I needed to half it, at least. Or take it away almost. Oh, oh yeah, a couple times take it away because it, what, 838? What was it? BC? Yes, 838G1. 838, and I'm used to, and I can see it. You can see the Mirage. There was yeah. no real trick. And that thing, first of all, you're not usually shooting 190s at 3,000 feet per second. Mm. Most of them, you know, most guns outside 28 nozzle is going to be 27, 28, you know. High. Yeah. So we were, I was way off because yeah. I am used to slower i think that's about with this 30 inch barrel i think we're doing what a 28 nozzle would do with about a 26 24 inch barrel yeah what are do you remember what um eric's are doing they've got to be right there yeah i think it's right at three yeah and as a customer of ours who who pretty picky about bullet choice and, and how they kill animals and he went through the 180 vld hunter 180 hybrid I think we also did 180 ELDM or 175 ELDX, and he ended up settling on the 198 tip and basically tells us it's killed every single thing the bullet has touched. And you also have a, a buddy who said the same thing. Yep, and I have two animals, that three animals that I've shot, and it's been what I, it's been heckle and jekyll, but I do wonder if anything changed from the first go-around because mm. I've heard they changed a little bit on the jacket. Don't know if that's true or not. Reach out if you've heard different or you've heard the same. 
but mine was either explosive or, you know, I what they call ice pick, you know, just zipped mm. right through. So if you guys have any good 190 killing stories, maybe some pictures of the bullet or something like that to go with it, email it to us at uh, shoot to hunt at podcast at shoot to hunt dot com. It's, and, it, and if you have a problem with the, the show notes where it said podcast, <laughs> that's that's all Luke's fault. So he fixed it on the show notes. It's podcast at shoot to hunt dot com. Uh-huh. Okay. But talking about the rest of the experience, I mean, I think, uh, like, I'm not a very experienced shooter, definitely not in competition, and I don't even consider myself that experienced in, in regular shooting. Me neither. Uh, and, and Ryan and I, you know, we're shooting these 25-pound guns. It's just not it's not it's our style, different. so I don't really know how to feel about how we're going to do. I don't think we're going to embarrass ourselves. But no. I've shot the Vortex Challenges. This is similar, but kind of not. There's some, You know, the Vortex Challenges, you hurry up and try to shoot as fast as you can, and you move as fast as you can. This is more laid back, but I shot one PRS match, like a one dayer, and this is this is belly shooting, mm-hmm. as John Pinch would say. It's fucking cheating. So we're both we'll fucking see. serious sweaters, and it's going to be hot, and we're going to be in the sun. So we both decided to bring our wives, so they could yep. douse us down with ice and washcloths. And yep, I said, dab me, <laughs> bam. <laughs> Yeah. So that might be cheating a little bit, but we are going to have some wives on standby. We also have a caddy. We have a mason. We have a, uh, my son's coming along and he has been designated caddy. And I was telling him basically what the caddy jobs are in the golf world. So you can kind of get a feel. <laughs> like I said, you got to know all the, all the stages, yep. the whole course of fire. You got to be able to prep us and all that good shit. Tell us what we need to do and read some wind. The good thing about Mason is he'll tell us what we're doing wrong. That's right. Yeah. He, he'll be quick to uh, pull that card. All right, are you nervous about anything? Anything you've... Uh... Well, I'm one of those guys that has to have a spreadsheet to check off shit before I go somewhere, and, and yeah. I don't really know what to expect. I've only shot one of these, and I think we have everything. We have spare trigger, spare scope, uh, cleaning kit, full torque kit. We have now shot these rifles about, let's say, 300 rounds each. Yeah. It's just the unknown. Like, when I listen to the re-listen to the podcast... Mm-hmm of the match directors. Mm-hmm. They're like, you're shooting on moon dust and fucking dust gets everywhere. So the triggers, triggers do concern oh, me. I need to put rags in the backpack. We need to be able to wipe off the bolts and then put a little bit of lube on there if we need to. Yeah. We'll bring some of those yellow microfiber ones, pull it out, wipe it all down, put a little bit of uh, Milcom is what we use in there. That's recommended by bat. And then on the thread I have on rock slide, all of them have shot it, said they're, they've had triggers go down. Or a couple of them didn't. I mean, not all of them. So that does make you nervous. So hopefully Pretty we don't have that problem. Pretty quick change for us, I think, for a trigger. I mean, a couple, well, it's a little more. Well, actually, shit, the pot, the scope's got to come off. That, that barrel cover's got to come off. And then the action screws to get to the trigger. So that kind of sucks. But we have uh, been retorquing and checking torque on every bolt after we go through firing sessions. And everything is pretty much locked tight and tight at this point. I don't think we're going to have anything come loose on us. The only thing we ever had come off is that one weight. And that was my fault anyway with that 90-degree turn. They did a good job with the foreign weights, XLR did, because you don't have to have access to the back for that M-lock nut. They made it so it basically turns 90 degrees and then stops turning. So you put it in flat. As soon as you go to turn that nut, it turns and locks so you don't have to break everything down there. God, I hope we don't have to rip that out of there. He's shooting a trigger tech. I'm shooting a Geisley Super 700. It'd be interesting if one did go down or not. Yeah. And then I brought a spare 700 special. Uh, that's a Trigger Tech 700 special. And then a, a, a Bix and Andy single stage tax port. So I think if it did go down, I'd probably try the tax port afterwards. It's it's like the Trigger Tech. It's different than most 700 triggers. So 
will be interesting because that is the Achilles heel. Like if you listen to any other podcasts, we've kind of gone over that. Yeah, I think the bullet will be a content. I think it was a good cartridge after it's all done now. Well, I guess we're not, we haven't shot it yet, but I think after everything that we did, you said change it to attacker. I didn't get to look through it, so I don't know whether it's whether just, or not it would have been good. When they're side by side, they're easier. Which just easier to use. Easier to use, and it. I'd have to get it in more Mirage. It just seems like I put them both at 20, what I could get to 25 well, Why don't power. you put it on there then? Fuck it, dude. I mean, if you can see the Mirage you better, I'm going to shoot first. You don't fucking jinx shit like yeah, that okay. last minute. Because the, the, my gun is doing well. Yeah. So. We don't move stuff around. We decided yeah. I'm going to shoot first because I suck at calling wind. And then uh, Ryan hopefully can see my miss. Definitely be able to see your miss. My hope is we can just figure out how fast, you know, how slippery these bullets really are. Yeah. And start, you know, because it's, I do believe the first couple stages will be a learning curve because we've never really shot together and you can shoot together all you want in practice. When you throw some stress on there, everything changes. So uh, when I was hunting, shooting with Soa, first yeah. stage, he decided he was going to light one off before everybody was ready. Huh. <laughs> and the fucking, the guy, uh, what do you call the, uh, what do you call those guys? RO. The, the RO was yeah. not happy. <laughs> he had no ear pro in. Soa thought he said go and he said, whoa. Oh, shit. <laughs> It happens. So sometimes people just dry fire a brand new Hoyt carbon bow and, you know, they didn't know any better. Oh, you got to fucking tell that story now. <laughs> One time. One time. Right now. All right. So we were at the, uh, we were at the, that was a Hunt Expo in Salt Lake, wasn't it? Yep. Last year. Uh, year before last. I was interested in getting a bow because we wanted to paint it and I didn't have a bow. Now, keep in mind, I've never shot a bow in my life nor worked with anybody or, you know, seen them shoot a bow really. So we walked into the, it wasn't a Hoyt booth. It was a local archery place. Super nice guys, and they were uh, they were setting us up to do some shooting and, and see how we liked the bows. And they had a rack for those that were shooting at the place, and all the other ones were kind of tied up, right? But I happened to grab the, the new Hoyt carbon bow, and I pulled the string back and looking at it, looking at it, and then I just let the string go. And it made the worst noise I had ever heard. And, of course, every fucking person turns and looks at me. They're all looking at me. I really didn't know what I had done wrong at that point. I didn't know yet, right? And then the guy comes over, and then he told me, you're not supposed to do that. I was like, oh, shit. What did I do? How, I, I didn't know. Sounds like a gunshot. Dude, 100% honest mistake. Had no fucking idea. It just seemed like if, if it's like pushing a red button or something. You know, like a bo- you look at the bow, you're supposed to pull that thing back. And then you got to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture all the people standing there, and then they all gave me this the death stare. Big freaking red bearded dude just yeah. grips it and rips it. And the guy's back there, and he's kind of looking it over and seeing if anything broke and all that. And I said, "Well, I can, you know, I could pay for it if I broke it or whatever. It didn't break it." Hey, Hoyt has one of those things that is either in their shop or they bring them and it's like dry fires it like so many times. And yeah. you're just proving the point. I can't be the only one that's done that before by mistake. Oh, I'm sure you're not. It's just, yeah. it's funny because it's such like a voodoo thing. Like you don't yeah. try. You don't want that bow after I did that. No. Yeah. And then fucking guarantee they sold it to somebody. <laughs> now I ended up coming up here and from the local dealer up here, I did buy three Hoyt bows, one for me and mm-hmm. one for the two kids. The kids got the lower grade, like complete package one, but I did buy three bows <laughs> after having gone in the soul. You know, I did, I did put some mm-hmm. money into Hoyt. I went by there this year and I saw your face up on the, <laughs> on the wall. It had a big red mark in it. If they see you coming to fucking come over and help you. Watch out for that Sasquatch <laughs> motherfucker. Don't let him touch any of the bows. Dude, I wouldn't be surprised really. 
Oh, well, I, they would definitely mistake. have to remember me. It was, and that's what makes it funny. Is that, dude? I, I'm, I, I consider myself a fairly honest person, and, and I didn't, uh, I didn't know. It's not like I'd go over there and do it on purpose, right? No, you wouldn't do it on purpose. No, if you no. knew the ex- of what, no, what was and you happening. when you told me the story, I was, I just couldn't stop laughing. I made you tell it at dinner <laughs> that night because it's an honest mistake, and yeah. it's so like voodoo. You know, you don't want to do that, but yeah, here we are. Yes. But anything else we missed? Like, Dude, I'm 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 excited. I, I am excited about going because I think the rifles are doing well. And and I would say, I guess the one thing that I would change, not physically with the rifle, I would have given us more time to practice. We kind of did this last minute, and it seemed like we had enough time. By the time the rifles got done, and between all our other shit and bear hunting, we didn't get a lot of practice time. So I would have said, you know, maybe I would have let, like to have a little more time, but. Yeah, and anybody out there, we'll have this release probably there tomorrow before we get there. If you see these ugly guns, you want to come look at them, more than welcome. Yeah, come talk it up. Hopefully they shoot as ugly as they are. <laughs> We're going to do this little short one, too, as soon as we get back to say we took dead last. We took dead last. <laughs> it's Ryan's fault. They DNF'd us yeah. for ugly fucking guns. <laughs> we took first. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. It's definitely not taken first. At so there's what? 270 shooters. 270? Yeah, I just want to listen to that podcast. 270 okay. shooters. so Top 50%. Like, That's my goal. You want to be above... 135. So you want to be above the 50th percentile. That's all you ask for. I want to yeah. be in the top 10. <sighs> top 10%. We'll see. Well, we never That's been That's 27th there. or better. I guess you've been there, but it was a different life oh, for you. That. Oh, it was a different life, yeah. A long time ago. I want to be top ten. You want to be? We have different goals. Top fifty. You're top ten percent. I'm top fifty percent. I yeah. don't have a lot of confidence in myself. I don't. I don't. I don't think I'm a great shooter. I, I could put like we were practicing at Nick's at a thousand yards, and it was actually kind of uh, it kind of relieved me a little bit. So they put out the course of fire, and me and Mason are flipping through the stages, mm-hmm. and the size of that plate that he had out there. What we're going to be shooting in the competition around that twelve to fourteen hundred yard mark is where everything kind of lives. Mm-hmm. It's not much different than what we were doing. Now, it's we actually were, a little bigger, I think. Yeah. Like there was one at, it was like 1,500 yards. said it was a four-foot, 40-inch mm-hmm. circle, something like that. So it, that gave me some confidence. I think that I think that if, if, we can, if, we can, if we can synchronize with our rifles and we mm-hmm. see what they're doing, I think we're going to do all right. <laughs> that's it. That's, <laughs> that's all I got. It. That's all I got. So you sweat so, like a motherfucker. They want to shoot 13 of those stages on Saturday. We're going to be dying. I was talking to Daniel Bra- Brazovich, uh-huh. and he's like, bring all your fucking ammo. He says, I brought half the first day. I had to go back to the hotel and get it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So. We're definitely bringing it all. She's going to put, she's going to put, I think, mine in ADG boxes and yours in unknown munitions boxes, so we keep them super separate. But Yeah, we we'll have a recap. Mags. Format. Oh. Well, I have three. Well, I've got to find three. one. Um, we'll do a recap next week. Tell yes. you how it went. Tell you the horror stories or the the highlights. We'll have one or the other, or maybe both. <laughs> There's uh, going to be some stories. All right, you done? Yes. Thank you. Yep. Get a hold of us at podcast at shoot to hunt or on Instagram at shoot to hunt. Thanks. Uh-huh.